Welcome to the Expert Network Team Podcast. Where our goal is to inform and educate our listeners on matters related to finance, legal, insurance, accounting, and other interests that are of personal and business nature. We hope you will find our content useful as well as entertaining. The Expert Network Team consists of Carl Frank of AI Financial, Mike Miller of Miller and Associates CPAs, Jeff Cromendike of Security First Insurance Agency, and I'm Nathan Merrill. I'm an attorney at Goodspeed and Merrill. Together, our independent team combines our expertise to provide you insights and solutions, some straightforward, some profound, for real-life opportunities we see on a daily basis. We hope you enjoy the information contained in today's podcast and find it useful. If you'd like to learn more or desire to meet with any of the Expert Network Team members in person, you can contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's I-N-F-O at expertnetworkteam.com. We encourage you to take advantage of a free consultation with any of our team members. Just mention this podcast when you schedule your appointment. Now on to today's podcast. Welcome to today's Expert Network Team podcast. I'm Nathan Merrill. I'm an attorney with Goodspeed Merrill. And today I have with me the uh, Expert Network Team member extraordinaire, Carl Frank. Hi, Nate. It's so great to be here. And... uh, while our listeners, Nate, may not be aware, Carl, we've been apart for a while. We've, we, we have. Few, uh, you've been off climbing mountains. I have. It's been awesome. I'm glad to be back. And I've been having mountains piled on top of me, <laughs> which is a nice segue to today's uh, discussion point, which is uh, headwinds. And and I think what we mean by headwinds, and I guess the first uh, important feature of this discussion is to make sure we're talking about the same thing, but uh, definitionally headwinds meaning those events, those circumstances um, that act as headwinds against our progress. It's uh, our business. If you were to yes. equate this to being a biker or driving a car, when you're driving into the wind, you've got that wind pushing back on you. It slows you down. It, it, it impairs your efficiency. Um, hopefully it doesn't create danger, but you know there's always that possibility too. So here we're talking about the intangible headwinds of life, right? Which are uh, they're just omnipresent when you don't expect them at all. Yeah. So so I think the the question is well, perhaps first and foremost, and and uh, as I mentioned to Carl before we began talking. In, in that, I am deep in the middle of a number of headwinds that have hit me in, uh, in various aspects of my life. I've not got a lot of clarity on where we go from here, but, but I just had an epiphany, and maybe this is where we start out, Carl. Yeah, this sounds really is, good. And, and it came to me when you said, these are things that we don't anticipate. Mm-hmm. So in my mind and maybe you can speak a little bit to this. In my mind, the best place to start to deal with headwinds is to anticipate them better. Uh, when times are good, perhaps, mm-hmm. when things are going well, right. you, you kind of build up um, both reserves of financial assets, I suppose, mm-hmm. but also right. energy and stamina. Yeah. You know, Take the time for yourself and build exactly. up that reserve of of emotional strength because right. that's I think where headwinds catch us off guard the most. Yeah. When you're unprepared. When you're unprepared and you're already depleted. 
right. when they hit. What's the Boy Scouts motto? Be prepared. Right. And plan for the best, but prepare for the worst. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom there. Oh, my gosh, Nate. Holy cow. I can't wait to dive in and learn more about what the heck is going on. I know only tangentially is a business partner. <laughs> well, with I probably you won't get into the into the details <laughs> because because no. certainly everybody I'm, deals with this sort of stuff. But yeah, at scale. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and we're all going to have really similar experiences and similar challenges. And so I think it should be really helpful for everybody to just kind of, you know, hear a real honest conversation between two friends and Absolutely. business partners. And Well, tell me, so what's going on, my friend? So mostly good things, uh, mostly uh, or things that can be viewed as catalysts. I always ah. try to, you know, go, this goes back to, I think, one of the discussions we had early in COVID, which is um, – the framework or the mantra that I adopt in connection with these sorts of challenges is the Napoleon Hill, every adversity contains a seed of an equal or greater opportunity. Right. Um, so each of these things was unexpected and um, disruptive. And in, in the instant, you're just like, you, you want to, you know, say, woe is me, yeah, you know, I've got it right? bad, I've got it the worst, feel sorry for yourself for a moment. Well, I, I suppose that's, that's important is to, it to is. feel a little pity you for yourself. you got to recognize it, right? of course. But yeah, then immediately kind of pick yourself up and say, okay, how do I change yeah, this into a catalyst forever. event as opposed yeah. to right. um, something can't. that... that uh, yeah, dwelling on it just makes you miserable, right. right? But yeah, if you don't recognize it, then you're probably denying it. Right. You know, there's five stages to the psychological thing, and denial is the first. You don't want to stay in denial very long. <laughs> Eventually, so, you got to move through the five to acceptance and say, yeah, I'm going to be okay. But, yeah, so what's cooking, man? Well, you know, at, at a fundamental level, we've had some changes in our management that were ah, unexpected. and So, so hard. So, really, the, the opportunity here is, or the, uh, the catalyst, it, it can become a catalyst. It could be viewed as a real challenge. I'm trying not to let it drag me down too much, but it's a right. burden. Oh. It's a significant burden to have yeah. have operational responsibilities just heaped on you when you're already busy with a, you. You know, a professional practice. And right. Yeah, right, because you're a practitioner. Yeah. You're, you're out there drafting the, the legal language. So the, these are things that, in my situation, have got me to rethinking is is being in management really the highest you know it's the highest right. and best use question like right. we the way we've done it to this point and i think a lot of organizations that grow face this challenge is you start out bootstrapping it's mm -hmm. you and a couple of other people and you're you're filling 10 different roles and that sort of thing and you know everything. I mean, I, I'll go right. back to the beginning of our firm. It's like I was yeah. IT, yeah. I was payroll, yeah. <laughs> I was what you know. You, you tick yes. off the things. Um, the software guy, I was the computer. Yep. I mean, everything. So um, eventually, you have to get yourself out of those boxes. And I can relate. Um, I think what this has shown me is that we kind of need to rethink our our management approach right. mm -hmm. to get producers completely out of those boxes. Oh, I like this idea. That and sounds really um, good. Because they have skill sets that are not their highest and best use being wasted, just a battery drain. Yeah, and, and I, I hesitate on the wasted because I do believe it's important for people to understand how their organizations are run, understand right. the rationale behind the the 
the systems yeah. that we have, yeah. how they work, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. But to actually actively manage them when you're a producer, when you're a, you It's know, a big a cost. It's like twice as expensive, maybe more. And inefficient. Mm-hmm. And then when you have a disruption like this, it mm. like resets everything back to normal because the reality is when things are going well, this yeah. gets back to what we were saying, when things are going well, people don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. And so when the crisis hits, then everybody has to... Wake up. Not necessarily drop everything, but you have to, at that point, because it's now crisis, invest a ton to get in there. So so things like... And these are things I've I've striven to try to ma- work into our workforce is the redundancy, you know, so that way when someone goes, you, you have someone who can step into their shoes. And, and did that, did redundancy fail? In this one, the redundancy was the professionals. And yeah, so that's where we have I to rethink. See. Now I got it. Um, mm-hmm. Because we didn't have each of our, our professional team perfectly right aligned, able to, able to mm-hmm. step in and seamlessly and carry it forward and seamlessly may not be a realistic expectation but but i i suppose this is at some level while why larger organizations have a ceo a coo sure. yeah right cfo because Redundancy. any one of those can hopefully can at least cover for the other or, to a certain yeah, pick extent pick up some of the responsibilities at least temporarily so yeah so that's um so that's, that's why i say it's, it's a catalyst it's it's an opportunity to to look at um, <coughs> excuse me long COVID. Um, it's an opportunity to look at change and, and invite the change in. Whereas if we didn't have this catalyst, we probably never would have thought of this, and we would go on with that inherent. Inefficiency, inefficiency or, or, uh, and laziness, and yeah, just, it's like a latent defect, just just right. carrying along until you have the event that triggers the awareness. Of so it. the event is an opportunity, but oh, what a stressor! It is. It's so huge. let's focus. Let's dive deeper on that. What What do you think you want to do? What when when um, you had this event happen and this person left? How many people had to pick up the ball? Well, the ball's still being picked up. Ah, okay. But um, is it being passed around between like two people? No, or the way like we have our or? the way we had our management structure, we did try to employ a distributed decision making model uh-huh. at, inherent in this management structure. So it was like I say, it was it was participatory um, with the professionals involved with the management team. Right. Right, but it was not as it was not at a depth where, like I said, mm-hmm. it was, there was readiness to necessarily step in and awareness of everything that was going on. Because you didn't have to. You had because things expert. were going well. It, everything was going well. Thing, you, everybody's an expert. They're like just delegate, delegate, right. delegate. Done, done, done. And then all of a sudden, that fell apart. So we do have. We had, at least at that level, wasn't like I just had to grab, you know, the, the warmest body nearby and say, you're doing this, you're doing yeah, this. Right. Everybody kind of knew what they were supposed to know. Mm-hmm. And then it was a matter of getting up to speed on what we knew. So at the very least, having, and I think this feature of our management structure will persist. It's just the emphasis on whether it's professional directed versus professional 
having the professionals be the accountability piece as opposed to the directing piece, and the initiatory piece. How many, how many bodies, how many people at your office? Uh, I don't really actually More than know. 20. More than 20, yeah. And, and, and in my defense, there are a few people who still actually work from home. So even in the office doesn't account for everybody. I know. Everybody it's so we, hard in this, in this new working area to even know anymore, right? Yeah, well, it's just... But, it, but you don't have a hundred. There's a little bit of that out of sight, out of mind. Right, know? and um, it's less than 50. Less so, than 50. So you're in this little this spot where it's really hard to pay for a professional management team, where this middle layer is just really a cost. But without them, the, the organizational efficiency might be worse. True, except when you factor in how much do we anticipate that the professionals are spending mm-hmm. running their management. So mm-hmm. say we have five professionals at uh, an average billing rate of $300 an hour right. spending 100 hours a year. That's 500 times 300. That's a lot. That's enough to supplement. That's you know, a big a, salary. A fair salary. And then hopefully that individual is just generally making the entire organization more efficient. Right. You know, we would hope saving money on recruiting fees. That's a big cost right now oh, for, for not you. only our organization, yeah. I'm sure tons of others. I know. Uh, I know. I know there's a a client I work with in the fast food industry that they have seen their recruiting costs and training costs double in the last 18 months. Isn't that crazy? I mean, this is just a really talk because about headwinds. Because of the turnover and just the yeah. constantly having to re- replenish the so, workforce. So you lost a person, you want to rehire that person, but it sounds like there's a structural change too. It's not just the personal side of the business, the personnel side of the business. I think it's the fun- the the functionary mm-hmm. component of that person. I mean, I don't want right. just replace the person. I, in fact, and this is important, I think, for every organization to understand, people are not interchangeable. Um, the, the gentleman that we had in the position was extraordinary in certain ways, had, right. had a definite right. skill set. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we necessarily have to tie our hands to mm-hmm. say we have to hire someone just yeah, like him. No kidding. What we need to identify in our, in our catalyst or our opportunistic mindset is say, what are the most critical things this person has to do? Where And then where can they round out their flat spots? Yeah. So, for example, HR is one of the considerations that we have for to, to have someone pick up the baton and move it forward. But, but to find someone that has HR, finance, management, recruit, you know, all these things, all these boxes checked. Is not realistic. Right. Yeah. So what are we going to place the priority on mm-hmm. and then empower that person to go out and find the people to round out their flat spots? Right. So in reality, it's probably going to be a more than one person solution. Right. Especially if we go the route of extracting professionals from direct responsibility and keeping mm-hmm. certain elements of the firm actively managed right and and so it's it's a little bit like jumping right it's a little bit like being on that on that trapeze and you have reached the end as far as this one could go and you have to let go to jump onto the next trapeze because if you hire one person they're going to say okay i need at least one other person maybe two or three and then the salary increases go up and the expenses go up and you're gonna hope that the revenues come yeah in. and i'm gonna take your trapeze analogy because i think it's a good one in the sense but I'm going I'm to expand that to the Tarzan theory. <laughs> okay. And what I mean I like by that it. is, so the trapeze, like if you just never let go of the trapeze, mm-hmm. you're going to go forward, then you're going to go back. And you're going to go forward, and then you're going to go back. And you're going to be 
swinging through the same territory, you're going to be getting nowhere. Right. At times, it will feel like you're making progress. Yeah. And then at times, it, you're like, oh, crap, we're going yeah. backwards. And that's, that's a redundant cycle. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do, like Tarzan, is swing through the length of that where it will get you, and then you let go and grab the next one, and, and then you're making progress. Right. And you continue to make progress until you reach your destination. Yep. So you have to let go of the way you've done it and imagine what the next vine is going to look like and grab that one to take just, it forward. Just leap. What a headwind. What a challenge. But, yeah. And, and you've got a structural problem. So you've got to hire the person. And then the, that person is probably going to say, okay, I've got this skill set. We need to hire for this skill set. And you've got a couple of other people. But then you're going to have a new personnel problem, right? You're going to have a new um, problem with how to, who reports to who and how is this business delegated and how do we supervise and how do we make sure that we're getting our money's worth and how do we um, really grow this thing in a way that's healthy for the whole company. So there's going to be a new structure to your overall uh your overall personnel and that's the new vine we're grabbing. The new vine. It's it's just gonna it's it's gonna be different, but it's gonna be different in a way that takes us to a new destination. Right. Rather than us swinging backwards and then swinging forward to this point in time again. I don't want to swing forward to this point in time again. While things are great, I'm not gonna complain about how things are. Yeah. I want to move it right. further. You don't want to be here again. Road. Right. Yeah, you don't want to be here. And again. the only way we end up back here is if we swing forward and then swing back. Don't let go. And and never let go of the next fight. Because there, there will certainly, and this gets to the how to deal with headwinds, is to expect them. Going back to where we started, mm-hmm. which is when things are good, you're going to need to expect that something's going to disrupt that good. And you need to be mentally, emotionally, and financially prepared to take that leap to the next vine, which will be the catalyst that gets you down what, down the road. What can you expect? Let's say you hire this person and you envision, I don't know, two people, three people that they'll eventually need to be hired. What can you expect two, three years or some future date down the road to be another headwind? What could be the challenge there? I can think of a few. I'm I'm open. Let's say one. Let's say it happens again. So let's say you get the exact right person, and you got you've got a couple other people working for him or her, and but then that person is not the right fit after all, and leaves. Or two even weeks. if they are the right fit, and they find a better opportunity. Two weeks later. Two. Weeks oh, that. Later. Well, gosh, if it's two weeks. You know what I mean? Just a real short, like, oh my goodness. Then, then it's. Then we may have let go of the vine, but we're sliding down the vine, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, it's or, hard. Or the vine, the fulcrum was too short. It's not getting, you know, the, the, there's a couple the, of analogies there. I just the, wouldn't consider the process complete. Deep if, in the imagery. If we don't have the person identified and embedded, then the handoff never could properly be hard, occurred. Right. So and and two or three years later it could be the right person. Hopefully it is. But if it's not, there may what if there's anything you can do to think about a way to um not be as hurt as badly if this happens again. Right? Maybe Well that's where building out the organization mm. I think comes into play is building in the redundancy. So yeah. if we have if you have in your organization a person who is critical, then you then you find two people to take on half of that person's 
understanding of the organization or the right, job. Right. So if that, because it doesn't even have to be they're leaving. They could be. Yeah. They could be hit by the proverbial bus. They mm-hmm. could be out for an extended period with health issues or family issues. You know, it's. It, it doesn't have to be a permanent loss. It can be a long enough temporary loss where you'd still feel the pain. Even though you have that role filled, it's not like you're going to go out and hire someone new to run the organization for a three-week absence or a four-week absence. Oh, or for sure. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they're just ready. So you have to build that redundancy in regardless. Anyway, yeah. So cross-training, right, would be, I mean, a, you know, a simple way. It would be cross-training. Obviously, right. for a high-level person, it's a lot more than but, cross-training. But it's not going to be a one-to-one redundancy mm-hmm. solution where you have two CEOs or two right. COOs. No. You're going to have a COO, and, th- and this is what we've done, and this is what our, our former executive had done well was he – he broke up a lot of his operational role into two parts. There's kind of the operations in in terms of the finance piece, and then there were the operation in terms of the human capital. Oh, yeah. And and he had two people under him that could well manage each of those for a period of time in his absence. Right, right, right. So in, in some small ways, we... We were there. More covered, like I said, and then we had the distributed decision making responsibilities within the professional staff to cover some of the things like professional development, risk management, HR, and finance. What does that mean to be distributed? Does that mean one person had, like one person was the finance, one person right. was development, one person was, that's the way you, right. and you just they delegated. Were we call them teams. Ah, okay. To create that kind of like. And they had their own team underneath of them? They could assemble their own the, team underneath to make them. a decision, and right. and you delegated that responsibility to them. You never delegate delegate the accountability, but you can delegate the doing. Got it to others, but you're always re, the yeah. responsibility. The accountability always lies with the person in charge of that. What team. worked well, and what what do you need to improve? Uh, in that in that, I think it's it's flipping around again. The, the tension, as I I observe it, is the tension between what you might consider non-productive activities, i.e. Yeah, non-billing, right. versus billing activities. Mm-hmm. The tension is always in favor for the professional because of... Billing. Yeah, I don't need to explain you, why. Yeah. He's, he's creating revenue in part because our compensation structure is based Absolutely. on production. Sure. Um, so is is acknowledging and recognizing and not fighting that natural tension anymore. It's the yeah. jujitsu approach, which is how do we mm. how do we allow them to embrace their billing role right. and still remain a participant in leadership, you know, get yeah. to know again how so the I think the idea that that we will need to move forward with is rather than make those individuals in this participatory dis- distributed model the catalysts or the initiators behind actions. Instead of making them responsible, we make them, um, when a decision needs to be made, rather than bringing it to a committee. And the whole having, committee, yeah, yeah, they're the executive. They are the executive of that area. They're the champion. And if they need to, to take some time to get up to speed on issues. But the executive team or the management team would run things and then run it up the chain, kind of the below the waterline decisions would be run up the chain to the partner that's in that team responsibility. And if they feel it needs to be elevated to the full committee, then they can run it up to the committee. Below the waterline are those decisions that could sink the ship. 
Right. Right. But Above the waterline might be there's a mistake or something, a hole in the hull or, you know, a torn rope, but it's not going to sink the ship. Right. It's going to slow things down and make it inefficient. But below the waterline, you want to keep it. You want to not take flack below the <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you don't want to sink this thing. But I think that's where, and that's that's unique to our business model too, but I, I heard this from someone else um, as I was evaluating kind of what needed to change, and it, it's consistent with like sales organizations too. What is very common in sales organizations is to say, hey, uh, John or Sally is our best salesperson. Now go train. Let's go put them in charge of sales. And so you take your best producer no, out of production. And then all of a sudden. Thinking you're going to create a lot, a lot of Johns and Sallys, and mm, that's just not how it, it works. It didn't work. And, and perhaps you could say we fell victim to the same mindset, which was we right. were thinking the people who are successful within our organization, we should put them in charge and they can produce more successful people. And that's it's it's a assumption based on a false premise. It's Those, a different yeah. skill set. Yeah, it's a different skill set. But it sounds like you understand some of your weaknesses. It sounds like you've done a good... I do now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't the day out, and this is probably an important acknowledgement for our listeners and myself, is th- the day it happened, I didn't. The day I happened, uh, it was triage. It was how do we stop the bleeding? we got to get someone in to fix this wow. ASAP. You know what I mean? I, I mean, do. that's what you want. It's so dramatic. Um, yeah, it's so stressful. So... The important thing there is to embrace patience and um, however you meditate or however you work through your challenges, take the time to do that. I love that. And um, Embrace patience, yes. Don't, don't rush to a solution. Mm-hmm. Let, let, the, let the problem speak to you a little bit and recognize how you've changed. I, I think that's the other important thing is, like I said earlier on, when you're a young organization, you're doing everything. You don't want to run your organization that way for the entirety of the company's existence. Would Who would last. do that? Right. Yeah. Um, so you have to embrace what changes you've made from the point where you made that decision to the decision point you're at now and say, do we need to make a different decision now to get us to the next? And so you ask the question, what happens when something happens down the road? It certainly yeah. will. I think the next challenges we face as an organization are with, uh, honestly, this is one of those like, what's your biggest weakness? Well, I'm just too darn honest. Um <laughs> One of our biggest challenges going forward is going to be the growth, I think. Are you interviewing for a job? <laughs> right. I just work too darn hard. Right. That's my biggest weakness. But our, our, the challenge, whether it's a weakness or a challenge we'll face, I don't think it's a weakness, but the challenge we're going to face is going to be the growth. Mm. And it's going to be anticipating that next stress point because I think sometimes the catalyst behind these personnel changes, I can think back on a few in our organization's history that are because the job grew to be so big, the person didn't complain enough, and the next thing you know, they're like, I can't do this anymore. Burn out, and they're out. Right, they're gone. Mm -hmm. And not only did you do you not have the person to do the job you thought was being done, but you need three people to do the job because it had grown so much on their plate. Um. And we just weren't having real honest reflection or assessments of what was being done by whom that it caught us by, it'll catch wow. you off guard. So we, it's not like we haven't been through something like this before, but um, keeping up with your growth 
is the way to stay ahead of, I think, some of these headwinds. You have to, you know, I, I recognize this on the producer side, you have to hire ahead of need. You have to fill jobs before the need arises. If you're waiting to say, oh, geez, we need someone to do this job, you should have been hiring for that job probably six months ahead of that, right? Um, in the production side, it's much easier to, to recognize the need because you're like looking at your utilization or your production versus your budget, and you're like, oh, well, we're tapping out here. Time to start looking for people to add bandwidth. It's right. harder to recognize that, I think, in management because it it's is. not measured by billable hours or right. timesheets and that sort of thing because... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a little less regimented in terms of their daily activities. They're problem solving. They're addressing things as they arise. It's not like they come in and punch a clock and do a job A, B, and C. And All right, punch out, right. Especially if you are a producer who's the executive making those decisions, it's hard to know how many more of these non-producers do I need to keep my firm running. Yeah, and I just have to say to any producer who finds himself in that role, abandon that mindset as quickly as you can, as quickly as you can afford to. Don't do the mistake that I feel I've done, and not only to myself but to our organization, is think that you can do both. Right. You'll leave people in both camps disappointed, frustrated, yeah. and right, and uh, and yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of wisdom there, a lot of honesty. Mm, thanks for opening up. Mm-hmm. You also brought up a point that really seems interesting to me about that might be a culture question, right? We talk about personnel, we've talked about structure, but culture too, and that is that you hire people who don't complain and they take a lot on their shoulders and they get a lot of stuff done, right? They're really, they're cranking it out, but sometimes they take on more and they don't complain enough. Can you expand more on that? Like maybe there's a, maybe the flip side of having a culture where people work really hard is that they burn out really quick or too quick. Right, and so, I, I don't know the answer here. I'm not a management consultant, but what I would say is as you grow, you need to assume you need to do assessments of job roles, job descriptions more frequently. I, I have said to every person I hire within our management team, you should you should look to do what you're passionate about and figure out a way to get every... Be ambitiously lazy. I, I haven't made that up. I, I mm. can't remember who coin that phrase necessarily, but be ambitiously lazy. Find a way to do repetitive tasks once and then you know, build a process around them. Conceptually, I know all this stuff. I'm not great at developing processes. <laughs> um, not my strength, but, but recognizing the, the benefit of it is my strength. But encouraging people not to just keep piling onto their plate. Like, right. actually, I'm going to give you, I'm going to keep throwing stuff at you. Keep what you love and let's the stuff you don't love, the stuff that doesn't charge your battery, put up with it for a time, but let's find a different person who loves that thing to do that thing. And this is, I think I once recommended for one of our like book recommendation uh, podcasts, a book called um, The Element by mm. Sir Ken Robinson, uh, subtitled How Finding Your Passion Changes Everything. And I firmly believe this. And his focus was more on how people prepare for their careers and their lives, how they select the things they want to do, which is finding your passion. But even within your chosen occupation, there are some things you're going to be 
more passionate about, more energized oh, yeah, by than sure. other things. For sure. And uh, you'll be more valuable to your organization if you focus on the things you're passionate about and be honest with, if you can be, if your organization allows you to have honest feedback, say, hey, I don't love this, but I think so-and-so within the group may love, my, it. May love it because they do X, Y, and Z. I mean, you, you got to be honest. It has to be an honest assessment, honest critical thinking you can't just be saying, I don't want to do this because everybody's got a job that needs to get done. But but um, that there, those types of assessments will help inform, I think, a management team who they need to add and when. That's a great, great, I mean, that's just a great piece of advice. And and now we're at, at the point where you got to say, you know, Nate, I have this sense that you love podcasts. I have a sense that this is one of the things you're passionate about, right? You would probably, and I don't think I would either. I mean, I love it too. I don't think we would give up this part of what we're doing. And, and, but there are lots of things that you're doing right now that you'd probably give up in a heartbeat. Lots of things I'm giving up, you know, would love to give up in a heartbeat. And it's, there's always a tension, right? There's always a tension. You can't spend all day. You just, just got to map out a path to, 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 to do it. Yeah, exactly. And be and be brave enough to take the to like you say, going back to the the vine or the trapeze. You have to be brave enough to to um, accept that moment of suspension as you're between two tethered. Exactly. You're ends. making the leap. You're hiring before the need. We've right. come full circle. Map it out. Plan it out. Be prepared. And then be willing to let go of the past and to go. embrace a new future. Yeah, yeah. And learn. And you, and you are always in a little different place than you were before. You're not exactly repeating. But if you're not learning, then you're not progressing. You're not improving. Right. Well, Nate, I don't know if this helped at all. It definitely helped me. Thank you for sharing. I, I, I um, recognize a lot of the same problems that you're facing and you opened up today in our company, too. And and can relate to them very well. So thank you. Thank you. No, you're welcome. It, it has been helpful, but um, not entirely through it yet either. So. Right. No kidding. Yeah. Well, somebody once told me that, you know, running a business is just, a, you know, a moments of organization and then mass long periods of time of chaos. <laughs> Be comfortable in the chaos and you can run a business. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm, I'm, Getting to the point in our organizational critical mass where uh, I don't know if I should be I should be running the business I should be solving right, right million right. plus dollar tax exactly. problems exactly I have a vision that's for what our business expertise. can become but running yeah. it that's your not expertise. my thing right yeah right that's your expertise I love supporting the people who do run it there, and you've got a lot of passion yeah. for your, for what you're really good at. Yeah. They'll they'll charge your engine and the firm will be more successful too Agreed. when you do. Yep. Good advice. Well, thank you, Nate. Really appreciate your insights. This was awesome. Thank you, Carl. And for all of our uh, listeners out there, create another beautiful day. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed the information we shared. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with someone else and join us next time. If you want to meet with a member of the team, please contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's info at expertnetworkteam.com. 
If you have special topics you'd like to hear about, please reach out to us and let us know at the same email address. Again, that's info at expertnetworkteam.com. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We want to remind you that listening to this podcast does not establish a client professional relationship with any of the firms represented, nor does it constitute legal investment or accounting advice. And the views are those of the professionals only. Investment advisory services may be provided through ANI Financial Services and securities may be provided through Genios Wealth Management.